Hey everyone, welcome to Nowhere to Run. Thank you for tuning into the show, however it is that you found it. I'm just going to jump right in here. I've got a lot to talk about. The first thing is, a lot of people have been contacting me about the YouTube account, the primary YouTube account, uh, Nowhere to Run 1984 being terminated. I am aware of that. It was because of a copyright claim, a false copyright claim, from Greg Braden's office called Wisdom Traditions. You can find clearly that that is how you contact Greg Braden personally is through Wisdom Traditions. It's a copyright claim that they filed on my video, Greg Braden Debunked, and it is it doesn't have merit, but there is absolutely nothing I can do about it. Unfortunately, when they terminate an account, terminate an account, it is not available to be appealed, even if the the claim was false. Unlike with Michael Tassarian, there was an opportunity for appeal. This one isn't that has no opportunity for appeal, so I don't know what the deal is, but I do know that it is it's it's gone for the foreseeable future. I don't think that there's a way to um to get it back to my knowledge if anybody knows something about that, let me know but uh I'm you know obviously that's a terrible thing, but I do have a backup account the nowhere to run nineteen eighty four k n o w w h e r e nineteen eighty four uh, and, you know, thankfully I, I've had that going that, uh, has something like 6,000 subscribers or something like that, which is great. It's a great, great start and, uh, it's more than a great start and it's obviously the worst possible time for Greg Braden to show up with some false copyright claims, which I don't think is an accident. I am releasing Dave, David Icke debunked tonight and it's probably the worst possible time for the YouTube account to go down, but I am pretty sure that there's something good in all this, even though I'm sure it was meant for evil. Um, Second Thessalonians, they're right at the end there, chapter 2, verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I think this everything give thanks includes this, and rejoicing always includes in this. I'm not sure what, what it's all about. And, you know, it's too bad a little bit because, I mean, my one part of me wants to email him and tell him, you know, I want to um, show him what that'll do. And I'm going to go put the movie up in lots of different places or whatever, you know. But, I mean, think about his situation. He's a guy that lies for a living and sells books that are obviously bad lies. I mean, that's how he makes money. So imagine the fear that you live in on a daily basis. Not just that, but I mean, I I didn't even mention it in that movie, but I mean, his whole uh, allegiance with this being he calls Lucifer, this whole situation started from him. He he lives a life, I'm sure, in darkness and fear. He's he's a guy that needs hope. And um, so... I uh, I don't know what to what to do about it. I honestly don't have the the ability or the time or strength to fight him on this or desire. I guess I, in one sense I have a desire to, but in another sense I don't. Um, I'm going to leave that up to the Lord. I'm sure he's got some good ideas going here with this. Whatever it is, it will be that way. So um, if you want to help with the Greg Braden thing, um, I don't want the video to just blip out of the internet because 
because of a false DMCA claim. I actually took it down from my backup channel too, just because I am about to release this David Icke movie, and I don't want to have to deal with losing the backup account. So I just let him have it, and even though he never made a claim on, on my backup channel about the Greg Braden debunks, I just took him down preemptively, so I could, um, you know, I'm sure he's thinking he's just won some great victory or whatever. He shut down my account and got it off my other account, but it's really just so I can do the Ike thing. But nevertheless, um, uh, if you want to help, there's still uh, there's still one on Vimo. Vimo's different in how it takes the movies down. I know that's the one he primarily would want to take down because that's the one that shows up so high in the in the search engines when you type in Greg Braden, um, especially in the movies. I mean that that Vimo, I think it's Vimo, uh, video was showing up like the second or third result for Greg Braden, so it was obviously a thorn in his side, I'm sure, but. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll get a claim from them at some point if he's, if he's on like a roll with this thing, but, uh, Michael Tassarian style. But anyway, if he doesn't, that's great. But what I would suggest doing if you want to help is to, I wouldn't recommend uploading this on your YouTube channel just in case he does go Michael Tassarian on this thing and, and get your channel shut down, but upload it somewhere else on the internet or maybe just post a link to an existing place that it's up just to, just to, you know, get it out there again. I just don't want to it to go away because he does this. That's that's all. So if you want to help, just help keep keep it alive. Um, let's see. There are a lot of things going on. As I'm mentioning, I am putting out the David Icke debunked movie tonight. It's rendering right now. If everything goes well, I've still got a lot of file converting and all kinds of stuff to do. I'll be putting it up tonight. It has been a really crazy 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 time getting this thing especially as it's gotten towards the end here it feels like there's been a lot of just opposition and and just everything but i know that means hey it's it's something that's going to be good i really have high hopes for it i think that the information is there to change everything in the in the truth movement if people can sit through it it's two and a half hours long but if they can it can change everything i think it can really wake people up again and it can get people saved and it can get get other people interested and in, in plant seeds it can it can change everything so i think that the only trouble will be to get people to sit through it to make sure people get to see it in the first place which i honestly don't think is going to be that big of a deal i think that it's going to get around one way or, or another but um we will see how that all works out in just a little bit, really. I'm going to put up a website, David Ike's Debunked, and DavidIkeDebunked.com. That's going to be where you can see it right now. There's just there's nothing up there. I mean, it looks like a movie's up there, but it's actually just a short clip. The I'll probably have it up there tonight if all goes well. It'll be late tonight, I'm sure, if anything. If you're listening to this on the 8th. Uh, so... I also hope to have transcripts, footnotes, everything on that site. It's all going to be for free. You can download it for free. You can um, make DVDs for free. And I'll even ship you DVDs for free. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to work that out. Uh, just to, I, I might just do like an um, Ancient of Days thing, like any amount of donation. I'll ship you a DVD. But everything else is for free if you just want to download it or make a DVD or whatever. Obviously, that I think keeping it on a separate site 
has a lot of security in it. It also has, it, it's not reliant upon um, YouTube or something like that. If if something happens to the David Icke video on my, on David Icke debunked front page, then I could just embed another version of it so it's always there. So it's sort of anticipating um, some opposition from, from Ike. I don't know. I don't know how that goes. I know I've heard from people while doing this that uh, that uh, he doesn't react that well to this kind of stuff. But we'll see that shortly. So what I need help with in in terms of this video, if anybody wants to help, now I have I have transcribed the script. Everything that I said is transcribed, and I'm going to be posting that to the David Ike debunked site pretty soon. Um, I tried to get all the grammar stuff in there and spelling should be taken care of pretty well with the Microsoft Word stuff, but it still needs some help in, in, in that kind of way. People just going over it and doing the spell checking and the grammar checking and the capitalizations and these kinds of things. Other than that, I also need somebody to go through the video and all the places that, that there are clips of David speaking or somebody else speaking. I need them to transcribe what is said in those blank spaces. So it's kind of a job. Um, what I'll probably do is is um, give somebody access. To, I'm going to post this on the website, give them access to the website, and have the updates go through the website. Or maybe, I don't know what, what I'll do. I'll figure something out. But that's if you want to volunteer for that, please, by all means, do that. It, it's It's not going to be that great and fun of a job, but it is something that uh, would definitely help. I, I have to do a lot of stuff in the way of footnotes. I have all the footnotes in a big, you know, uh, I, have a, I have all the footnotes in my notes, which are just all disorganized. So it's going to take me a while to get all the footnotes going, but that's something that is uh, on the horizon too. It's not really any, anything anybody can help with. I don't think, unless I just—it's probably something I got to do anyway. Um, so that's pretty much it. The I have Mike and I have done. I mean, I got all the verse by verse for Matthew twenty-four done. I've got all the notes and stuff taken on that. I've got all the notes and stuff done on uh, Psalm chapter two, which I just started doing. By the way, if anybody uh, wants to check out the, I've just started by just by myself going through the Psalms verse by verse. I just started Psalm one. Meant to do Psalm two. Um, this week, but I, I've just been so busy with this with this video trying to get it out. So everything hopefully should be back to normal next week. Okay, enough of that stuff. What I want to do now is I'm going to play an audio that Russ Dizdar did uh, for me by my request for this this video, this movie. I actually didn't end up using any of the audio in the movie because I just got it. Um, I don't remember how many days ago, but I had already completed the audio and everything, and I couldn't find anything to plug in that well right into the movie. But I am going to use it very prominently on the website, sort of a question and answer se uh, section, and I'm going to chop it up into different answers to different questions. And Russ did a really great job, and I think it's going to really make a lot of sense as a podcast to hear the stuff that Russ talks about in, in regard to the you know a lot of the David Icke kind of things <laughs> it's just a really great audio that he did for me and I plan to get a lot of use out of it in one way or another so I'm gonna play that right now but before I do I want to clarify some things that he says there there's one point when I ask about ley lines 
and these are written questions or detailed things that uh, I wrote him out in an email and he was reading them and answering them. It's one question I wrote about ley lines that I'm not sure if he was tracking exactly with what I was meaning with ley lines. I think he was thinking that I meant like Nazca lines or those lines that are actually you can see from the air and burial grounds and stuff like that. And, and regardless of that, there seems to be a disconnect of what ley lines were, but he does answer the question as I would have expected him to answer my actual question, which is essentially that these ritual sites aren't intrinsically special. They, they, they aren't on some great point of vortex. The reason that they are, quote, charged with energy is as a result of the sacrifices going on and the blood spilled, which attracts demons to the area. It, the area can be pick an area and start doing sacrifices over and over and over and over again there, you know, to, to you know, these, these entities. And, and yeah, you're going to have a highly charged area. So he answers the question as uh, I would expect it just kind of not tracking with what I meant in terms of ley lines. Secondly, the he there's a question I ask about Svali, who was an ex-Illuminati mind control uh, expert and former um, trainer, and asked his opinion on her. And he, at the end of these this question, he is reading a part where it's actually I was quoting Svali, and her answer to somebody else's question it was like a Q and an A there. And he's reading it like it was what I was saying. So it kind of gets a little confusing there. But uh, again, it doesn't really change anything. So just thought I would give those caveats before I play this excellent audio from Russ. Thank you to Russ for doing this. It's going to uh, be a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of good use for this, not just here in the podcast, but also on the David Icke debunked website in the Q&A section there. So uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So without any further ado, here it is. Hi, this is Russ Dizdar, and these are some of the answers that I'm going to give to Chris White for his project uh, film that he's making. Chris, um, appreciate being asked to be involved. And uh, we'll begin with question number one that Chris White has. In many channeling of spirits, demons, uh, there is a constant theme of spiritual evolution, a coming shift. There is uh, the connotation that those who are enlightened will evolve and those who are still holding on to the old age, which they do mention that it's real believers, that they're not going to make it. And then Chris asks, have you noticed this with uh, channeling? And uh, give examples. Sure, um, this is a part of, again, the overall bottom line uh, promise, the Luciferic promise. It begins in Genesis 3. The promise of an evolution to deity by the secret of knowledge so that if again in the beginning humanity rejects god rejects his word accepts the new alternative word and um moves in that direction well there'll be a um, an evolution a development a um uh, they will evolve or become like god so that's the concept an evolutionary development now this is the theme, whether you go to um, the the Masons or to Alice Bailey or any of the old occultists, the spirits guiding them will give them the same kind of information. Now, if you track this, you're going to find uh, whether broadly in the New Age movement and uh, among the Great White Brotherhood, uh, the Ascended Masters, there's this constant promise 
of an evolution of humanity uh, to homo lumos or homo nauticus or homo deity, uh, meaning that, yes, there is coming a massive consciousness shift. Even people like Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut, believes that from his website, uh, shared that in Roswell. So whether you go to the old occultists, to the New Agers, the same thing is going to come out in the 2012ers, uh, Mayan prophecies and concept. Uh, the same is going to come from the crystal scrolls down the road. Wherever the spirits uh, from the dark side operate, this seems to be the general doctrine, the dake of demonoia in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. So just like we have the Word of God, the doctrine, the teaching is consistent. It's the same. The Spirit of God says the same thing of the nature, character, will, revelation of God, of God's agenda, of um, everything concerning the second coming. Well, the Spirit of God tells us, you know, the same thing again and again and again. The spirits um, in a in a collective uh, and that's why they're, the New Agers and others are saying and using the term synchronicity. Because the spirits are, are completely joined in nature, the nature of what they are, uh, who they oppose, God, um, who they serve, of course, Satan, and uh, what they're bringing to the world. The two primary things, and I, and I outline this in some of our stuff, the Luciferic promise or doctrine and the Luciferic agenda. The agenda is globalism all the way to Armageddon. But the doctrine or the promise is a, is a evolutionary development. Now, you're going to hear this among New Agers. You're going to hear it among others. And um, there are numerous uh, now videos and those who have uh, channeled spirits, those remote viewers also, where they obtain from the Akashic Records, the Hall of Records, the downloading of that information. It's all telling them the same thing. And I've watched over the last uh, 20 years where this has become not just in writings, obscure writings, but now it's really among hundreds of millions worldwide. There's that belief, uh, a drive. Everything about 2012 coming up will pump this doctrine. The doctrine uh, convincing humanity because something has to happen with the evil inside. Something has to happen with the issue of death and dying. So this, in my view, Chris, is the opposite of salvation and glorification. Salvation that takes care of the issue of sin, forgiveness, new life within, the gift of eternal life, indestructible immortality. As, um, as, uh, and this is the, the glorification uh, dealt with in 1 Corinthians 15 where the mortal becomes immortal. That means indestructibly so. Uh, that means irrevocable immortality. And so the counterfeit, like in all other areas, prior to what God says he's going to do, uh, and this, this goes to the concept of the coming race, the coming new race of humanity. So all those that are going to be dealing with this spiritual evolution, homo lumos, homo deity, and mankind becoming uh, godlike, and even again 2012ers that are going to pump this saying, well, a, a, a great cleansing must occur. 
because a uh, a presence behind the scene is wanting to move that way, but people are standing in the way. Well, they're even calling it a planetary spiritual wave. And I do agree that a planetary spiritual wave is going to come uh, prior to the kickoff of the Antichrist. I do believe a larger, broader one's going to come prior to Armageddon in Revelation 16. There is a release on a ritual level of demonic presence that is global. It is literally a planetary wave that affects the totality uh, of the world's leadership, uh, politically, economically, militarily, and leads them all to Armageddon. Now, that, that's, that's sheer global spiritual presence. Whereas this also, uh, I believe when the great revolt and the rise of Antichrist come, there's going to be not the incremental approach to demonic presence developing in the world, but a burst, like a dam that breaks, uh, a, a massive wave of their side will will pour over. Um, and I believe specifically, Chris, that this will occur when the restrainer is removed. In other words... That side is bulging at the seams to break loose and uh, literally bring a massive dump of, uh, of, of spiritual presence manifest. No longer the step-by-step little hidden incremental approach, but a massive unleashing as if the Hoover Dam broke and the water uh, just unleashed. So when the restrainer, 2 Thessalonians 2, is removed, it is obvious two things will burst and that is the great revolt, um, inseparably connected to the apocalypse, the rise of Antichrist, both of which have to occur with massive, massive unleashing. Some of the dark side folks have called this a inverted Pentecost, a counterfeit Pentecost, where their side is uh, the pouring out of the spiritual power on that side is unleashed. So, uh, in the deceptive sense, where um, Satan can make himself like an angel of light, I do believe hundreds of millions of New Agers, and uh, again, coming now from a variety of levels too, uh, physicists and theoretical physicists and people that are dealing with what's called the field, and um, they're all sensing energy and presence and hearing this constant theme. Spiritual evolution, a coming shift uh, in the consciousness, and some believe that that shift will uh, just automatically cause everyone to become homo lumos. I mean, all of a sudden, humanity becomes this nice, beautiful, light-bearing beings, godlike beings uh, that are going to be different and that are going to be good and that it's going to be inseparably connected to the new age and a new dawn of human history and so forth. I believe that is, you know, again, uh, counterfeit to the actual um, glorification to come. So obviously, yes, channeled spirits will say it. Uh, Spirits have spoken. The Tibetans spoke this um, concept to uh, Alice Bailey back in the 30s. In, in her 21 volumes, you'll see the theme and uh, to this very day. And the theme is coming out of even new areas like 2012, Mayan prophecy stuff, and uh, the, the quest uh, at the University of Arizona to listen to all the extra-dimensional entities. So whether it's the alien entities, which are, I believe, demons, uh, the old occult entities, the Mayan spirits, 
across the board, there's a synchronicity in uh, and a systematic message, uh, a a counterfeit promise to humanity. Uh, most people that talk about it, they're really buzzed up about it. And uh, but if you ask, well, what's the source of the spiritual wave coming? What's gonna? Who's behind sending this? And 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 obviously, some are connecting it with the concept of evolution. Humanity evolved on a physical level, but this is going to be a spiritual thing that's going to take humanity, uh, uh, you know, to the next level. Obviously, I do believe it is clearly part of the satanic uh, plot and plan that that concept will occur, but it will not be an evolution. It'll be a new con. I mean, when that level of spiritual presence is unleashed in the world, and um, those who already have either spirits on them, they've opened the gateways of their life to the spirits, they've been channelers, they've opened up. Well, I, I do believe they will be infused. And there, there may be a massive change, so much so that it will deepen them uh, to the uh, happy acceptance of a world teacher, a world ruler, and a new age. Let's go to question number two. The promise of utopia is usually associated with the last question, either in your works or multiple multiples of those uh, in the New Age. Can you speak about why this utopia is often mentioned? Does it relate to occult belief in a new world order? And I'm going to say absolutely yes. Again, going back to Helena Blavatsky, going back to Alice Bailey, uh, especially in Alice Bailey's book, uh, The Externalization of the Hierarchy. And in the old writings, and included again in Masonic, Albert Pike, Dogmas and Moral, his book, The Concept of New World Order. Now, earlier, New Agers may have called it, like Marilyn Ferguson, the Age of Aquarius, where there's even a sense of, uh, in astrology, that... um, you know, a certain age is now over and a new age of Aquari- the Aquarian age is coming. So some of these songs that came out in the 60s, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Well, the 60s was the second largest proliferation of occult literature in history, according to occult historian James Webb. And it occurred in the 60s here in the United States. And so a lot of that stuff, that, that information, the occult writings... Uh, carried this this material, but it's 30, 40 years old. It goes way back, even back to Helena Blavatsky. So the promise of utopia, in my view, as I will say that the promise of an evolution of humanity to homo lumos, homo deity, is a counterfeit to God, his gift of salvation, and the glorification to come. Obviously, the glorification will be by the Spirit of God instantaneously. We will be uh, changed from mortality to immortality. And not just any immortality, Christ-like immortality. Philippians 3, chapter 3 tells us when he, when Christ you know, comes, uh, that our lowly bodies will be literally um, transformed. So there is this picture from God's side that there's going to be a transformation spiritually done by the Spirit of God based on the work of Christ where our physical bodies will be made like unto His, indestructible. Now that's inseparable from the the, the New Age, though, too. Just as Christ's coming 
is going to bring, the Prince of Peace is going to bring the, well, the millennium, the 1,000-year reign. And uh, obviously when he comes and we're uh, glorified, then from that point on, we experienced that thousand-year reign in ruling with Christ uh, as glorified ones, the real coming race. The promise of utopia, I believe, is is again based on the satanic, demonic, you know, view of knowing that the millennium is coming. There is a counterfeit to that, and the counterfeit to the coming millennium is the promise of this new age, this new world order. Everything about it, whether it's the evolution of humanity to homo lumos, homo deity, as counterfeit to glorification, the utopia as counterfeit to the millennium, the antichrist counterfeit to the real Christ, uh, the supernatural signs and wonders the false prophet does counterfeit to what Jesus did, on and on uh, we have, again, a demonstration of the counterfeit uh, which tells us two things. The dark side understands that biblical prophecy is infallibly true and always tries to outrun it, preempt it, stop it, uh, come, get there first. For example, the Antichrist getting to the temple and declaring himself to be God, Second Thessalonians 2. Well, that's where Christ is going to come. So in this um, revelation of Revelation chapter 12, where Satan knows that his time is short, the goal to develop um, a spiritual agenda that does change the masses, thus um, evolution to deity, evolution to homo lumos, the promise of the new age, new world order. Now, both of those are going to be very convincing if a hellish, chaotic uh, chaos, as I call the Black Awakening, or as the undergroundists called it, if that all occurs first, leaving the world feeling like it's on the brink of annihilation, then there's no question the world will be hungering for um, a new day, a new dawn, a new order, a new leadership, a new everything. So it's going to be very easy. With the power that comes with the devastating chaos, uh, the power uh, will also flood in the development of a new order. So that's part of what's behind, again, from a multiple approach, uh, the sense of the extraterrestrial, and I have a book here to my right, Chris, and it's called uh, The Secret History of Extraterrestrials. Here's the um, subtitle by Lynn Caston, Advanced Technology and the Coming New Race. And all through that book, even on the basis of extraterrestrials, um, there's a belief of a new order, a new day that they're going to bring to us. Now, he, the writer, is inseparably connected to the Theosophical Society, Edgar Casey. So once again, whether in the sky, alienology, whether in the old occult writings, the old secret society writings, in the new developments of the new age, it is unprecedented uh, in the concept of these two things, evolution of humanity to deity and uh, a new world order or a, or a utopia uh, that will uh, come about because of this new presence. Those are both uh, what they believe, what I believe will occur only as deception and counterfeit to the real of what God's going to bring, and um, and uh, definitely going to occur. So let's go to number three. Demons seem to operate 
uh, on a rule system that is primarily based on human free will. David Icke goes on about how if we want to be contacted, all we must do is to ask these light beings uh, to you know come and guide us. Uh, can you speak about how free will gives the right for the demonic to affect us? Sure, and how they also bring, as you say here, devising to trick humanity into giving their free will. Absolutely. Uh, as I say in a couple of our stuff in the past, back in the 60s, learning from a you know master going to a temple that it was a combination of Buddhism. Well, it was under Buddha. It was called Golden Buddha Meditation. We were being taught that if we opened ourselves up, and here's the key, passively. Remote viewers, the truth is, it is not just a human endeavor they are opening their unconscious self passively all guards down to the outside connection of the akashic records the universal hall of records is exact same place edgar casey got all his download of um, information so when david ike mentions this this is exactly how the dark side wants you to do become uncritical, become passive, be, you know, seek. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the Satanic Bible, uh, the names of demonic entities, uh, as we've seen in Satanism, if you call on their names and even do the kinds of, uh, in some cases, the rituals, um, they will come. So the reality is if somebody wants to, um, and more than ever, why? Because biblical prophecy says that the manifestation of these seducing, they're called in the Greek, planos spirits, imposters, that they will be on an unprecedented level, again, 1 Timothy 4.1, with one goal, to deceive. So they can become anything. They can act like an uncle, an aunt, your grandmother that's dead. They can act like alien entities. They can just act like light beings, translucent spirits, uh, spirit guides. Um, and so David Icke is right in the sense that if we want to contact him, um, they'll come. But notice who they'll come to. Those without the Spirit of God, that don't have the living Christ uh, that would uh, tell the outside entity, spirit, demon, hey, um, this, you know, in this person, not that they don't want to deceive believers, but um, there's going to be a recognition from the outside. The demons are going to see if a person is born of the Spirit, Christ's ownership, the blood of Christ, everything about Jesus being in them and on them. Like in the book of Acts, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? That's what they would say to David Icke. Who are you? So somebody without the Spirit of God within, they have no, um, in, in, their, in their construct of discernment, perception, seeing and sensing, they have no ability to discern the difference. So the spiritual interaction is real. The spirit guide or the light being will be absolutely real, but they won't be of God. Uh, they never are. Real angels that come from God that are the elect angels always in the New Testament uh, lead believers, point believers to Christ, point believers to ministry, point believers, even Daniel helping him understand the, you know, the prophetic and the word of God for the future. That's all they will ever do is point people clearly um, to God. Now, the 
other side of the fence will be, yes, there are rules. And uh, the concept of free will is there. Uh, demons don't just jump in and possess people. Now, some people can be, um, there could be precursors in the sense that they have heavy-duty family connections to, if if parents or grandparents were into rituals and opening, opening doors, the concept of generational or, or familiar spirit can be around. And they will oh, have the sense that they have a right to the bloodline, the, the next generation, and they'll want to bring influences and so forth. But they can't just jump in. Now, with ritualistically you know, used people, like when little ba- they have no defense. Once you create subpersonalities and program them, which means, again, a programming to these rules, openness uh, to the spirits with no resistance and no uh, guard, per se. So they can get in that way, too. But uh, they are clearly going to um, uh, bring seduction, trickery, as you've said here. And uh, yes, it involves the will. And this is the problem with the New Age movement. Hundreds of millions of New Agers are opening to spirits. 2012ers are drinking particular, like ayahuasca, the drug. And, um, you know, this is all done willingly. People bowing down to the crystal skull and kissing it and touching it. People going to ritual or charged sites. Um, They will be um, uh, opening the doors, uh, whether little by little or wide open. And once the door is open for one spirit to communicate and begin to guide, once that happens, then... um, and they're still willing to allow that to occur, and they believe the spirit guide, which is a demon, then more and more and more will come in the sense that they will go from the seeker and experiencer to the channeler and maybe even to the writer or a promoter of what the spirit guides are are teaching. And and a good example is, um, I believe it's Craig Hines that wrote the book Gateway to the Gods. He explains a dark spiritual experience like sleep paralysis occurring to him at night. It occurs a few times, it scares him, but it but he but he has nothing to resist it and it opens him up immediately in his own testimony to all of a sudden presence guiding him to occult bookstores and occult books, leading him down that occult road and broadening the door. Uh, just as the Spirit of God would lead us to the Word of God, to the depths of the Word of God, and to growing deeper, the spirits will guide those who open up willfully, willingly, into deeper and deeper uh, dark side stuff. And um, yes, it could. Yeah, lies is it's a platform. Uh, high pride is a platform uh, for influence, and then uh, them leading a person to wanting. So the laws of engagement for us coming to Christ. That whosoever believes, it's our willingness to open our, you know, Christ stands at the door of our heart and knocks if we open the door. Well, the demonic realm, again, as never before in history, is knocking, 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 speaking, engagements, encounters, all that. And um, they are uh, they are looking to uh, uh, get people to open the door. And they are doing it, again, based on what the Spirit of God said, First Timothy 4, 1 in a seductive deceiving, or again, planos can refer to as imposters. Question uh, number four. 
You have all slowed down here. Also, it'll be important to have a, a soundbite of your establishing your credibility, uh, so it would be good to hear of your history as some kind of number in regard to deliverance in general and to the number of multiples. Um, basically, the background with me is I was into the occult. I was uh, not in the deepest side, and I was never a multiple or you know brought up in Satanism, but... You know, at the end of the 60s, reading materials and getting into drugs and getting into the kind of hallucinates that were supposed to open you to spirits, uh, getting into a system of martial arts that uh, opened the door to spirits and, um, you know, channeled masters and learning how to grow passive, sit for hours. So there was on a, there was an experiential side of... Um, Getting to the point. Now, that's when this guy came right in the context of getting that close to becoming a channeler. I mean, literally that close to where, uh, you know, at any next time at the temple or wherever, doing that meditative form, uh, these entities were supposed to begin to show up and speak or want to come in is when I got saved and, uh, you know, delivered and saved and filled with the spirit all, you know, all that same time and broke away. Now, in the years since, and that's from 75 on, uh, we've dealt with deliverance on a basic level for a number of years. And the more I got into ministry, uh, we had more and more young people. I was in uh, the Ministry of Youth for Christ, and I became the executive director. I was there 15 years, along with pastoring. Uh, I would always did these two things together. That's where Shadow the Darkness came from. Because we were dealing with Young in, in the in the in the end of the seventies, specifically the beginning of the eighties, it seemed like uh, there were more and more young people, more and more um, folks getting into dark side stuff, uh, Satanism rituals uh, that that we decided to form Shatter the Darkness, a team that would focus on evangelizing those into the spirits, which led then to in evangelism demonic manifestations right in front of our face. So we had to deal with it. And when some of the first times it was occurring, you know, we're learning what our authority is and how to do things like Luke chapter 10 says or looking at the model of Acts chapter 16. So now that we've had probably over a 30-year history in dealing with demons on the level of oppression, attachment, uh, influence, uh, possession at different levels, the Greek word diamonozoid, meaning demonized individuals. We've dealt with spirit guides, animal spirits, power demons, uh, people that believe they had spirits that were translucent spirits. So um, any of these entities, once engaged, uh, we've learned, uh, can be outed for what they really are. So all I can say in numbers of deliverances, because we've never really kept a record. I've tried to go through thinking over the years and uh, how many you know office visits and times, um, hundreds in 30 years of deliverance sessions that involved oppressive, oppression of demons, attachment of demons, demonization. And then in the 80s when the multiples began to occur. And we probably had direct relationship to multiples, about 200 of them. But another 100 outside of just um, phone calls and emails and others that we've engaged. But the issue with the multiples is this. One multiple that might have 30 other personalities, 15 of those personalities having demons, we may end up 
in uh, 45 deliverance ministry sessions and inner healing sessions with one moldable. So in the case of moldables, that just has ramped up. And again, for them, because deep-seated uh, priestesses and those who are really Luciferic, they know what they want. They know the demons are not fake, uh, you know, spirit guides and, and ancestral friends. They know they're demons. They know they are power demons. They summon them. They want them. They know them by name. And we've had to engage them that way. So when it comes to the general sense of deliverance, we're we're just simply talking, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds, uh, maybe well over a, a, a thousand or more. When it comes to multiples, I can say there's probably been a few hundred uh, deliverance sessions, and they can go from, again, uh, a presence on them that is commanded off or dealing with deep-seated uh, priestesses within that may carry 30 demons, including power ones, and then all that occurs with, well, other personalities also containing. So uh, just over the years, um, for the sake of credibility, you know, we've written uh, training manuals. We've taught in uh, five, six different churches. We've taught uh, a dozen conferences. We've written now the book, The Black Awakening. Uh, we have um, been called to and have engaged people from over 60, 70 other churches, uh, both in Ohio and, and outside of the state. So we've had a long history, many years. Uh, and uh, one of the things that occurred, Chris, was Back in the 80s when we had our first real engagement with underground ritual uh, multiplicity and demonic stuff and people attacking our home and calling us and sending curses, that was when um, we decided to read everything on the on the everything we could read, every conference we can go to, everything we could just uh, do uh, biblically, theologically, from every point of view possible, and go to every single place we can learn and. Um, that's been a very good thing to learn the stuff that is off base and, and, and really not as strongly biblical as it should be. We've learned, uh, and it's important to get a broad and deeply, uh, you, know, you know, good uh, understanding. And uh, But bottom line, the experience of doing it again and again and again and again and again, uh, there is a, a, a clear sense of, uh, uh, of a pattern and uh, what they're all about. So credibility, 30 years, um, massive study. I believe we've, we've been to massive you know, study on the issue and then uh, the teaching conferences, writing on it to this very day. We had uh, deliverance sessions this very week. Point number five, ley lines in uh, New Age lore. It seems that people uh, experience energy at these sites. Ley lines are uh, anything from just uh, basic, uh, like the, well, people think in terms of, um, of, the, of, the, of the pyramids or um, of going down to the Mayan temples 
uh, going down to Serpent Mount, where I was taken. I was taken sometime, oh, just a couple of years ago, down to the uh, Serpent Mount in Ohio, Peebles area, and we got to go out there. We stood on the, those mounds, the Snake Mount. When you're standing there, you can't really see it, so you got to look at the pictures that are showing from up in the sky down, and uh, many of these ley lines that are that are that look like they can look like animals, they can look like symbols, they can look like. Uh, in, in in Ohio, it was the Serpent Mount. It looked like a, a big snake. But these ley lines, as some are saying, and or areas where there are um, uh, stones and temples and uh, where, uh, in many cases, if not most, sacrifices, both animal and human, have been done, these are the places all over the world that would be um, places where, yeah, the uh, they've opened gateways, and uh, there's a, a need to claim territory. Um, so the idea, if you think in terms of the demonic side looking down upon the earth, if Satan is the prince of the power of the eros, the Greek word eros, meaning the immediate dense atmosphere just above the earth, so there's this idea of being able to understand this massive array in probably the hundreds of millions of demonic realm in the heavenlies around us, up in the sky, in the air, in a sense, which is um, which is uh, we can connect that to Ephesians six, the the um, principalities and powers and rules, the, uh, the the wicked forces in the heavenly realm. So. Um, when it comes to um, their looking for the doorways in human lives, that can also occur when they spiritually guide people to make temple areas, uh, to demonize an object so that the demonic presence uh, can, the energy that emanates from the entity can be there. So a lot of people going to these places, whether it's Mount Shasta, whether it's um, Sidonia, whether it is the um, pyramids, or uh, it, it could be down in uh, Peru's ley lines uh, that lead to um, to um, the temples. Machu Picchu, the temples uh, all laid out through there, and they've not even uncovered all all of the temple sites yet. But it's clear that massive human sacrifice, when it comes to the Old Testament, Baal and Shemosh and uh, Moloch and the rest, always massive human sacrifice. So that um, maybe Josiah in 2 Kings 21, 22, 23, maybe he didn't use the term ley line, but just charged area or uh, a, a demonized um uh, infected area, so so much so that that's why he wanted things burned and crushed, uh, uh, demonic charged objects and altars. Everything had to be completely destroyed and um, and and so that nobody could come back. Where demons attached to temples, to objects. Um, Within the uh, within the structure of these ley lines, in this sense, astroarchaeology—the idea of looking from the heavenlies down on the earth, like the Serpent Mound and other places—and some of the ley lines will show uh, from the pyramid through Europe and so forth. It'll show like a, a, a massive triangle, 
Now, what it does for me is it reminds me of, in Satanic Ritual, they will have a power cone, which is a triangle shape, raising a demon to be contained inside the triangle, the power cone, so that um, a cone of power, so that you can, uh, again, command it, use it, whatever, uh, command it to go onto an object, command it to go into a person, command it to go out against people, you know, giving it assignment once it's manifest. Now, the issue here is demonizing an area. Just like a person can be demonized, an object can be demonized, a ritual site can be demonized, an entire village can be demonized. Think in terms of, the, of uh, Daniel in, in Babylon in the city. There's uh, some say up to 56 temples, each one different demon god, goddess uh, with a you know, different shape and everything. Um, but again, uh, that became, each temple became a doorway. Uh, for the prince of Persia and the operating presence on the ground so that from in the sky down to the ground, gateways get opened. I believe that's true of the Mayan temples. Um, in the sky, the in the atmosphere, where the prince of the power of the atmosphere and that whole array of presence is, um, a gateway gets opened up. Maybe... As we went to one ritual site in a, in a wooded area, they finally showed us from one tree where they did blood ritual uh, and bury stuff there at the foot of that tree. Then they walked us off to another tree, a straight line, uh, to another tree where they did another ritual. And then we walked from that tree to another tree eventually. And then from that, that literally that third tree, we went back to the original tree. Each tree, rituals were done, blood stuff was uh, buried there, all the stuff was said and done, but it, when it came down to it, it made a, a massive, bigger than a, than, a, than a baseball field, is the walking distance between the three trees, a triangle. So that in the triangle, in the triangle of where those blood rituals were done, um, that's where the person can go, where the spirits would be, where the energies, the powers, where they could easily open up to and hear and experience. So for us, we need to understand that this helps to create doorway. No different than a person, Ephesians chapter 4, when God says, you know, don't let the sun go down in your anger and give the devil a foothold. The Greek word topon, used in legal Originally, legal literature, meaning a legal right, uh, used with uh, concerning a person climbing a cliff, a foothold to put a foot in and get a hold. So the idea is uh, both legal and operative, an operating doorway, gateway, porthole, whatever one, anyone wants to call it. It doesn't have to be just something small. A life can be that. An object can be that. A ritual place can be that. Uh, if a number of people do things collectively, that could be done. If the ley lines in Peru uh, that lead to the temples, one temple to the other temple, uh, if that's where a lot of the victims for human sacrifice were taken along, uh, if they were creating, uh, in a sense, a barrier around the outside of all the temple areas, then those ley lines can be charged depending on the kinds, there's so many, but depending on the kinds of rituals. Now, when it comes to the serpent mound and that serpent being there on the ground, you can easily see it from up high. They had a thing down there we could climb up and look down, but it's even better to have an aerial picture. There's no question seeing what's there. The issue is this, and we ask the people directly, 
what is what is what is inside there? Human bones, burial places, maybe ritual in many places where ritual bones would be, and um, this is where maybe the charged ritual bones, the charged objects, would be just literally all through the serpent mound. Um, to where that whole thing it was uh, literally a landing pad, or not even a landing pad, but a, but an, 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 a constant open door. To where when we were down at the Serpent Mound in Ohio, uh, we asked the, the Indians that worked there, uh, all the folks that were coming around. Because uh, my suspecting was, uh, by the way, when we showed up that day, this is the weird thing. It's a CIA guy that took me down there. The day that we showed up at the Serpent Mound, directly across the street from the driveway into the Serpent Mound uh, was a, a farming area with, with corn stock, massive corn fields. And somebody during the night or something during the night created a massive um, crop circle. So photographers were already there and uh, people were already showing up to get pictures of the crop circle on the one hand and then... Um, which some say uh, are also charged, and I do believe in many of those cases they they are if they 're done on a spiritual basis, they are charged no differently if the symbols are you know a, a sigil or a symbol occult writings um, if it 's their language, their symbols their names uh, that can be an attachment point. Demons, I believe, the same demons by the hundreds of thousands and the bigger, more powerful ones that were at um, the Mayan temples, I believe without question they were, uh, they they don't die, they didn't go away. So when people are drawn down there, and many people will confess they've been drawn spiritually down there, it is a charged area on multiple levels, and then when they get there and they already have the precursors to opening up to spirits and believing that they're good spirit guides and all the rest, um, then they open up or they take the ayahuasca and they open up to the spirits. Those same spirits, whether among a uh, Mayan temple where blood sacrifice was or the Serpent Mount or Shasta or or Sidonia or uh, where the where the Druids were, uh, concerning the stones in Britain, uh, any place the gateways and doorways have been opened and uh, where the demonic began to have a ground, uh, then they, unless cleansed, unless removed, they stay and in a synchronicity with other spirits, they may draw people there. Uh, only to have the gateways open more, only so that as spirits gather in that area, people show up, people can be demonized uh, if they open up to it, if they do rituals. They can, quote, charge their rings, their objects, and whatever else, and think they have a charged object. Well, charged object is the energy that emanates from the entity, but the entity comes with the energy. So in all these places, it's it's really the same thing, and that would include uh, any of the Old Testament places, um, and uh, that's again why people are going to be drawn in this heyday of the ramping up of these, uh, you know, these gateways, these door, you know, where these spirits have been waiting for so long, they're going to be drawing humanity back, and uh, these are powerful doorways. 
broad doorways, and they'll begin to want the individuals to do the things that will even draw more, that will widen things, that will unearth their writings, their prophecies, and begin to speak them and use. Uh, and so, taking objects, same thing. They're, if they're if they've got uh, demonic, if they've been demonized, they've got demonic presence energies on them, and all these ley lines. Uh, will will also within the structure a circle if that's what it is, um, within the, like Stonehenge, uh, power cone, whatever, whatever they done to open the doorway, um, unless completely closed and demolished, and completely raised and uh, completely cleansed, like in a personal life, then the doorways are still there. So, as God says, don't give the devil a foothold. That could be individual life, family life, our homes. Um, that could be our area, our our our, our cities. Uh, when they put up, you know, any city that puts up a, a a statue of Pan, or you know, it can create from the sky down uh, the goal of doorway. And uh, that's that's what happens with uh, that and the ley lines. And I'm going to say, yeah, there is real energies, real powers, real engagement. You can go there, and you know, as a believer, when I was taken to a major ritual site when we went way back into the woods up in Pennsylvania, uh, Brotherhood Undergrounder took us up there. When we got there and saw the uh, black mass indicator, the satanic justice, and other symbols, all of these trees in a circular area down in when we went. When I stepped out of the car, it was eerie enough, but when I stepped out of the car and everybody left, Chris, the, the, the place was um, charged and swirling. But it seemed clear that this presence that was there uh, was like like how, you know, like, like, like pit bulls, you know, coming to see who has invaded their area and observing us. So much so that I felt this and sensed this and, and, and really said, Lord, they are, they are just here by the, by the hundreds you know, I opened all the four car doors. I blasted praise music down there at that ritual site. We did dig up bones. That was a known place, highly charged. Um, and they do. They know our approach, and, and they're guiding. There's a satanic synchronicity going on everywhere to draw people into these places. Uh, that's what's occurring. They are charged areas, and it is demonic energy, the charging, the feeling, the emanating energy. And that's what the Akashic Records people are calling it, like Lynn Taggart, the field. There's out there in the atmosphere around us an emanating energy. Well, yes, the prince, the ruler of the power, the exosia, the domain of the eros, uh, that, that worldwide um, canopy of uh, hundreds of millions of spirits collective together. The Akashic Records, it's kind of like a counterfeit to the omniscience and omnipresence of God. Number six, David Icke had an experience in Peru where he was called, in quotes, to a specific stone circle, uh, the Inca site, where sacrifice was done, obviously, sure. Uh, he had an experience where which fully possessed him it lasted 45 minutes. His body was convulsing, strong emotions, arms were outstretched, being spoke directly to him. Uh, I would say that it's similar to Kundalini, but Kundalini comes, again, from a different source. Um, 
in the sense of the Hindu pantheistic side of things, that also through sexual contact with uh, the demonic spirits coming into the the region of the tailbone. And uh, again, with the doorways that are opened in Tantra uh, and other other means can draw the spirit, you know, the snake type spirit up in through you. Now, counterfeit to that, we've seen even Buddhists with this kind of Kundalini spirit dropping people to the ground, transferring it. Yes, you can transfer it. But in his experience, what he did is he walked into a place where there are spirits all there. They've not left the area because they've not been kicked out in any rightful, authoritative way. So as a person walks into that, uh, and again, him not having the Spirit of God inside of him, there's no question the spirits would see him, see his vulnerability, and again, them being uh, so much more advanced than humans as far as in perceiving David Icke, they would be able to perceive that he doesn't have the Spirit of God, he doesn't have Christ in him, that he has an openness, that he's come that far, that he's that he has precursors to believing. Um, so they can devise how they will uh, engage him to take him further and further and further. So if he's now saying these are light beings, these are good things, and we can talk to them and all that kind of stuff, then he's become convinced through the experience that he had that that's what they are, and he has no way of seeing what they really are. And um, is it enlightening? Well, it's um, it's spiritually uh, broadening. I mean, obviously, when there's uh, somebody that gets contacted by what they think is a an ascended master, a dead relative, a spirit guide, anything at all. Um, it's something beyond our normal human experience. And can they bring power, energy? Can they open our eyes to see things? Can they bring um, supernatural vision sight? Can they speak directly? Can they change their voice and make it sound like whatever they perceive the... Uh, uh, their victims need to hear? Sure. So um, very much like, in a way, Kundalini, but again, the same thing can, can happen at a ritual site. It can happen at the Serpent Mound. It can happen um, at Stonehenge. If a person comes that is already open to this side of stuff, and they're going to then um, be all of a sudden feel something, and they're like, ooh, I like this, and ooh, I felt the energy here. I felt more over here. And they open up to it. By the way, even ghost hunters can get in deep trouble here when they feel or sense real presence, and they, they're they only thinking it's a little kid or something else. They get drawn into a lot of deception. And the possibility that spirits will follow them home begin to give them engagement. Uh, sleep paralysis, too. So... Um, and again, you ask the question, why would a ritual site like this uh, Inca one be better? Well, because the the deeper, the broader the door, uh, the idea some people might have 30 demons in them. Some people might have two, uh, depending on how wide they opened, how many times they did. So among all of those areas um, down, whether among the Aztecs or, or the Maya or all in that entire region, it drops back to the history of massive blood sacrifice. In my opinion, where, like Katsikotl, I believe, is, is Nephilim. And so the temples there would be both Nephilim architecture, 
spiritually guided temple uh, creations, uh, that the whole thing would be walled off on the ground with the ley line issues, uh, almost like building a fort, a spiritual fort, with every conceivable um, connection. Uh, you think in terms of military invading another land, and they set up landing pad, they bring in tanks, they begin to fly things in, they begin to set up perimeters. It's spiritually the same way. Set up the perimeters, everything that will allow them to uh, dig in and stay there. And so the the bigger the sacrifice, uh, blood-wise, and the more of them, the more the gateway has been opened, uh, the broader it is, the more spirits that have come across so the more objects, the temples, whatever. So, Chris, remember in the Old Testament when, and I think you see or, uh, Exodus, where the Spirit of God, and it only says this a couple of times in the Old Testament, filled some of the Old Testament believers, and the Spirit of God gave them abilities, craftsmanship. They, guided by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Spirit of God, uh, then were able to build the temple to the specs of the Spirit of God. So this this um, God-given architecture of the temple uh, and everything about it, Holy of Holies and so forth, was 100% guided by the Spirit of God and a place for the manifestation of God. Even when the uh, Ark of the Covenant was moved to other places, the place of the manifestation. So the Spirit's counterfeit have done the same kind of kind of thing, uh, to where um, they need they want a person, they want a family line, they want an, a tribe, a nation, an individual. They want a site, they want ritual sites, and again, they would give the architecture to this, and the symbolism and everything uh, that's involved would be uh, guided by them, and what continues to open the ground to up into the sky, in other words, that a big window between up in the heavenlies and down here on the ground, a big area, literally, that would go from the actual ground. By the way, they even will have demonized objects and bury uh, the ritual stuff in grounds all around, and again, charge the ground, to dirty the ground. And that then uh, is supposed to then keep things open directly to the Spirit's Above us, like the Prince of Persia, the territorial sense. Obviously, the Prince of Persia had a territorial uh, marked out, could be marked out like a ley line, uh, like a nation would have actual borders. But it would have to have all those things included. The temples, uh, the connection, how they get there, the rites, the blood you know, rituals, and the ongoing rituals and uh, the call for more and more, and to keep it that way until something else would occur. For example, like God bringing a flood that would uh, knock out a lot of these places. Number seven, um, if I think in terms of uh, Svali, can you speak to her validity of her claims? Um, Svali... Uh, and again, I don't know her personally, and I don't know anything about her background as far as engagement on an experiential level. But I have read everything I could years ago of what she had put out. I have followed her a lot, uh, even when she disappeared and people thought she was killed and taken back and then reappeared. Um, and uh, 
so I, everything that I've read concerning her shows me that there is uh, that she does know what she's talking about, uh, that she has come from a certain uh, backdrop of um, the development of the chosen one super soul, you know, the whole the whole scheme. And uh, again, within that structure, the, the points to globalism and uh, the goal of uh, claiming the world. So Svali, I would say, from everything I've read and everything I've engaged, and I can't tell you whether she's fully healed, partially healed, who's worked with her, but from my observation and reading, uh, I feel that she has, um, uh, she's right on. In number eight, question number eight, Svali had this to say in response to the reptilian claims of David Icke, specifically in regard to shape-shifting. If there is any programming that you have uh, in depth, you know, uh, with attempts to get multiples to believe. Well, yeah, I would say this, that um, on the two levels, uh, and I think Svali would agree with me on this, the backbreeding, the idea of the Aryan blood, the whole thing with Levinsborn, Please understand that that uh, the goal was to kind of get the Nephilim blood or to recreate Nephilim. So in my version or my belief that when fallen angels did have uh, sexual spirit to human egg conception, that that includes the total genetic DNA structure, just as I believe the incarnation, God in human flesh, uh, that it's the genetics of God. It is perfectly done, God in human flesh, um, fully God, fully man. Whereas in Nephilim, you have uh, demon meshed, merged uh, into the human structure. So you have an alteration. Now, I'm going to say that my personal belief that 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 uh, a lot of the Nephilim would have had these kind of reptilian eyes and um, and so forth. But I'm going to say that that. Um, Many of the underground folks that believe that their genetics have been enhanced uh, through the rituals at birth or at conception where there's demonization, their belief is that it transformed their genetics. Now, when I believe we're born again of the Spirit of God, I believe our genetics are, are, are affected. Our DNA is affected. I believe that we've been uh, now implanted, as it says in the book of First John, the seed of God remains in us. And that we've been born again, which means every ounce of us, so that when glorification comes, the Spirit of God, um, in glorification, twinkling of an eye, the flash, the Greek word atomos, the atomic level, um, that going from mortal immortality deals with our genetics, but it's done by the Spirit of God based on what Christ has done. In the goal of creating Aryan or in the underground chosen ones, the goal is to bring in powered blood, powered genetics, empowered genetics, changing man. Some believe that deep down inside, uh, when the 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 day of um, uh, if they call it activation occurs, that there might be a shift in their uh, all I can say is there could be a clear demonization, high demonization of their whole being, so that um, there could be a sense of alteration. The idea of transgenics and splicing in, uh, e even even super soldiers understand the splicing in of, uh, say, the gene in a Black Panther that enables the animal to see at night. If you get spliced into the super soldier that enables them to see at night. 
Well, that's a possibility. Uh, the concept, anyway. And so the idea of uh, the blood being or the genetics being changed through deeper uh, levels of the old Aryan blood, the godlike blood, can bring about that. But programming uh, a mind to believe. Um, I have, uh, I can only say this in regards to uh, when subpersonalities that are highly demonized, that are completely programmed, come up in a person. Uh, the face and even the color of eyes, everything can change. Now, Chris, I'll tell you, and I don't say this, Paul, I don't think I, don't think I brought this out publicly, but um, in one regards to the Fort Bragg high-level multiple that we had, highly programmed, believed that their genetics were infected. Uh, there is, there is in one, when one particular uh, personality with its programming, demonization, and everything about it comes forward, I am, I am simply telling you uh, my testimony before God that the eyes uh, were not the the pupils and the, the the you know the they were more they looked more like snake eyes they literally did now demonized people blackened out and things and you know again it's like the eyes are a mirror to the soul you can almost see the manifestation but but um, if there's been alteration uh, then it can show up, but I think that Nephilim, like Old Testament Nephilim, uh, to be exact, you know, to be completely like that would, ha- and I would believe that they would have the ability to to shift in some senses. I would believe that a demonic, you know, appearance, just like angels in the Old Testament, could show themselves, like with a lot, to kind of look like men, but they weren't. So the demonic realm and many, many testimonies of Satan, Satan showing up looking, you know, like a man, um, you know, those stories are there. So if Satan can masquerade, uh, transmute or, or morph and make himself look like an angel of light uh, and act like that, you know, to, to humanity, um, that demonization within uh, can help cause some supernatural shifting, but I would have to say that it'd have to be a full-blown uh, fallen angel to human woman in the creation of a real Nephilim uh, where this would be seen uh, completely because the genetics would be completely um, altered. Under um, question eight, you ask uh, Sfali, And you give your answer concerning um, the story of uh, there are stories floating around the internet about the Illuminati other and other agencies uh, being run by extraterrestrials, ETs, and so forth, a reptilian race operating from a higher dimension. Any thoughts on that? Now, your answer is what my answer would be too. Well, ETs are not extraterrestrial; they are extra-dimensional. They can show themselves. They can, uh, you know, bring about um, an experience of seeing things, uh, even lights and shapes and so forth. But nevertheless, their presence uh, is extra-dimensional and not extraterrestrial. Do I believe that that extra-dimensional operating on a, quote, higher dimension? Yes. Uh, Do I believe that they are seeking to possess 
And in the Nephilim backbreeding or the recreation of Nephilim, are they seeking to change, alter humanity? Yes, they always do. Uh, uh, transmutation. And so what they call the reptilian race, I would say, uh, it's not alien. It, it is an attempt, again, at transmuting humanity, changing humanity, uh, demonizing humanity, and uh, creating well, the word in the book of Revelation for the Antichrist, for the false prophet, is Theron, beast. Um, and in in my looking at the Old Testament, it can definitely refer to actual animals, but it can also refer to animal-like humans that are a demonized tribe. Uh, I would say Nephilim were beasts. We look in the fourth horse of Revelation 6, a fourth of humanity, billions will die by sword war, the issue of war, by famine, um, by plague, and by the beasts of the earth. Now, I don't believe it's hamsters and um, and uh, giraffes attacking people. I believe that that might be the concept here of chosen one, of altered humans, of... Uh, of the goal of recreating Nephilim and uh, to New Agers and others that might look like extraterrestrial uh, Nephilim race. Well, they've got the idea that, it, that, that they're evil, that's right, that they're snake-like, that's right. Um, God gives that, that picture in the garden of a shining snake type thing, uh, of our authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Um, the idea of Revelation 12, that the dragon, he's the ancient serpent. So I understand how the dark side is representing itself um, to people who are into a, you know, uh, alienology and uh, ufology. But again, it is sheer demonic. Uh, it is true, though. It's operating. It's real, but it's lethally wrong. Ten, have you ever heard of a testimony of Arizona Wilder. And uh, yes, I don't know the the guy Brian, but I do and I've watched her purposely on video as I've done a number of others that have gone out publicly uh to tell their stories. Uh she clearly you know looks like and speaks like and acts like some of that is a, a chosen one a multiple satanic ritual abuse. Uh some of her information is coming out very right, but we got to remember that when folks are coming out which that's not a real name anyway, uh, like the book that was put out called The uh, uh, the Creation of Undetectable um, uh, by Cisco and Wheeler. Well, I know the woman and have talked with the woman behind the writing. She still to this day is not healed, has operating subpersonalities, and she's not done. And they purposely guided uh, Fritz Springmeier, which he has about 11 alias names, and uh, is uh, completely questionable. Um, the book itself is massive disinformation. So many times they'll come out, but she might be an upfront person or a, or, or a personality, and she may have a sense of uh, freedom and so forth, but inside, sub-personalities, especially if they're demonized, they're the ones that can float up ideas into Arizona's mind and heart, and, um, you know, bring about that kind of information, trying to um, corroborate David Icke's story. So if 
those folks that I deal with observe David Icke and see he's not born again of the Spirit of God. Um, can they can they be sent to him as an infiltrator, and then guide him deeper and darker, you know, further into the uh, false view of reptilian race, extraterrestrials, and give him even experiences that will confirm the doctrine. Just as God can give signs and wonders to confirm doctrine and doctrine to confirm his signs and wonders, the dark side can give teaching doctrine and experiences uh, to get people to believe the disinformation. And, um, and yeah, so I, I, I think that it feeds that uh, and, and then gives to millions of people this concept and that they're completely believing that it's extraterrestrial and, you know, and com- and again, none of it's true as far as the real nature and the real agenda. They may have the concept that there's evil there, that they're trying to create something different in the human race, that they're bringing about a new world order. But the truth is, if they don't, if they don't have the Spirit of God, if they don't have Christ, if they don't understand the deep Holy Spirit-given biblical content, then uh, they will definitely uh, be pulled into that massive deception, seduction, um, and, uh, and, and not only be deceived, but be used to deceive others. Number 11, Arizona Wilder speaks of being at the rituals in her job as a mother goddess. Some have called this a mother of darkness. And they call out the old ones. Yeah, I've heard that so many times. Um, she definitely is talking about demons, but... I mean, she might see it, again, not being born of the Spirit of God, not being freed from within. She may see it something else. Old entities, ancient ones. Uh, this has been something we've heard and seen numerous times. And even when powerful demonic spirits come up in a personality of a chosen one, uh, they will say things. They're an ancient one. They're an uh, ancient master. Uh, the issue of old ones is spoken again and again how they've uh, come down through the generations. So for some, old ones are the handed-down spirits that have been guiding a generational bloodline family. Old ones are the idea that there are ranks within the demonic realm, principalities, rulers, powers, a host of the the Greek word cosmocrater in Ephesians 6. Um, that would be like an ascended master. The old ones would be like ascended masters, the great white brotherhood, uh, and um, that, uh, and even in demonized people, sometimes Chris, there's the 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 controlling, more powerful demon within uh, will push up or let the lesser demons battle first uh, until we get to one that is, well, you can call them older or whatever. The truth is, um, demons. If they were created all the same, or, you know, fallen angels were they created at the same time, and uh, and if demons, the whole argument, I don't even deal with it because Jesus doesn't. If the Nephilim spirits are demons, the bat- bottom line is demons, spirits, fallen angels, uh, they have uh, one collective nature, uh, totally transmuted, totally, uh, but they have all their supernatural abilities still. So I would say that the old ones that she refers to. Uh, is just, again, part of the scheme of uh, the old ones having the powers, having the knowledge that you'd really want one of the old ones 
um, because they really have a lot of learning and they really have a lot of stuff to give and they have really a lot of power and they've been around a long time and you'd really want one of them. Um, same thing though, uh, and, and uh, when they've manifested in people, they will act very uh, uh, arrogant, and uh, yet they have to yield to the authority of Christ. Uh, Twelve. One more thing about Arizona Wilder: when David asks uh, her how she learned uh, this fantastic tale about the reptilians. You have down here, she used the odd phrase, I was made to learn. And I would agree that she was made to learn that. Yeah, the shadowy Brian that you're talking about here, which I'm sorry, I don't know who he is, but in many cases, uh, those who are programmers, those who are within the structure, uh, yeah, they're because programming is the imposition of other content into a passive will. And so, Brian, if he is a splitter programmer uh, and demonized, too, a transference demonically, a programming of, you know, them to believe anything, whether screen memory or loop uh, taped uh, or just being told, it all gets placed in. Demonization occurs, and even the demons themselves bring a convincing uh, of, um, of, again, an alternative uh, belief system. So she can... She surely was made to learn, obviously, and come to learn, and now spouts the reptilian issue. So that can occur from programming, demonization, what she has seen through the supernatural working of demons, what she's been told is a lie. For example, I have one a police officer, um, when we got down to a sub-personality named Piet, claiming to be from Holland, a military base, explained the whole structure of changing at the moment of conception genetics and they believed now whether i do or not is another story they believed that if i was to command all the demons out of them all the demons out of their blood all the demons out of the genetics all the demon content out of them that they would fall over as a human lump because they have no human spirit um i have no i don't believe that um, if it's pure Nephilim, they don't have a human spirit any more than they have a you know they're a human being. Um, so I would say that. But a but a demonized person, a highly controlled person, can be made to believe and eventually teach and spout and proclaim things too. Uh, question thirteen: Have you ever heard of demonic possession causing images of Jesus to distort and pain uh, being uh, caused? Uh, absolutely, if they saw a picture of Jesus, sure. Uh, dealing with a demonized person, they went to touch a Bible and they screamed. They said it had power, that it struck them, that they're not allowed to touch it. Or another person uh, said that it burned them. So on the one hand, with multiples, um, kind of like in what's called revulsion therapy, that a that a um, programming can be put in that you know that is done with with either electroshock or burning. If you touch a Bible, you'll get burned. If you touch a Bible, you get shocked. So don't touch that thing; you'll get shocked. So an ab reaction could occur later on in life. This, if this occurred in the early days, from one to four, five, six, seven years old, that programming inside. Uh, for example, if they hear, hear a song about a certain song, "Jesus Loves Me," then they that goes back to their memory of being beaten or sexually abused or used in a ritual while that song's being played. Obviously, that song is going to trigger a very bad response. 
in another programming uh, ritual where the kids were tied down. Uh, they were told to call on Jesus. Uh, they had defecated on themselves. They didn't have any food, so they're call, told to call on Jesus, and they're crying out for Jesus. So a fake Jesus, you know, a person, Satanist, goes into the room, hurts them, abuses them, beats them, hits them, scares them. Of course, later they're told to call on Satan. Now, when they do, a Satan figure shows up and helps them, washes them, again, embedding in them, uh, programming in them. Uh, they're, you know, that that Satan is good, Jesus is bad. So it's very possible that programming, uh, if you see even people being hypnotized, like even the idea of cigarettes and food uh, hypnosis being used, that anytime you would uh, think of a cigarette, uh, you'll get sick. Anytime you think of a cigarette, you'll not want it. So you're imposing idea into the will beyond cognitive level so that the person won't want a cigarette. Um, This programming goes deeper, and demons themselves, as I've said before, uh, if if you're a believer, you walk into a a room where a demonized person is, that demon will recognize, they will know, probably be aware of your presence before you're aware of theirs. And um, I've had individuals where the demon wanted them to run, get out of the room. Uh, Demon wouldn't allow, didn't want the Bible to be read. Uh, when I we'd ask to have a prayer, they'd tell us we can't pray. Even if we were praying silently within, they'd yell at us, cuss at us. So programming and or demonization can definitely give um, both pain, uh, shock, burning, um, and uh, even cause distortion, uh, depending on what was done. And that could be found out, whether it's you know, you get rid of the demons, it should stop if it's caused by the demon. If it's programming, then you get to the personality that has it to go through it and um, take them through. For example, again, um, I quoted to a multiple, a, an SRA multiple, the scripture, Jesus in John 7 says, If anyone believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their inmost being would flow rivers of living water. She instantly got disgusted and said no. She literally pushed the Bible away. And uh, and I said, no, that's talking about God, his love, is the Holy Spirit coming into your life. And they were like, no, no, no. They were emotional about it, shaking their head. No, no, no. Finally, they told me, they said, no, that means being your, you know, you, you have to open your mouth and, you know, the priest urinates in your mouth and all over your face. And that's what the verse they read, that when you read, that's what living waters are. And that's what it says. And so she she wanted to read it in the Bible I had, and then she wanted a different version, and then she read it, and she said, it's not in there. And I said, you're right, peeing in somebody's mouth and doing that, it's not in there. So the scripture was used in the context of a um, kind of programmed-in experience that was kind of like revulsion therapy. So she was revolt, you know, she was she was just, you know, repulsive to the idea of that scripture, which is one of the greatest invitations of being saved, and she came to see the difference. Point 14, uh, it seems that many of the channeled spirits are very focused on Jesus, always trying to bring him down a peg. Um, you're absolutely right about that. That is that is their first of all the nature of the demonic. They cannot and will not ever can, you know, unless under the authority of Christ, you know, commanded to, 
Um, they're not going. They're not going in any. They are. They are opposed to, to the real our Savior Jesus, and um, they are. They are here to bring a, a replacement. The spirit of Antichrist, the min, mini Antichrist, or Jesus says Matthew twenty four in the end of days. Don't let anybody deceive you. Many will come in my name. So we've met individuals. We've had demon spirits say things like, you know, in the name of, you know, who are you? I would say, and they would, my name is Jesus. This one time, this demon, my name is Jesus. And I said, oh, you're really Jesus? Yes, I am Jesus. Um, There was a guy that was into the alien issue where he was channeling an alien. And it sounded like a, Chris, like a mechanical voice. It was on the web. I don't know if we can still find it, but um, it, is, it, it went years back, too. And when this guy would channel, it sounded like a mechanical, like an old robot-type voice almost. Uh, but it was Jesus speaking through him. Well, it wasn't Jesus. Um, so the demons have a job, as seen in Alice Bailey's book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy, to... Um, not so much in many ways with the church confront, um, but to change terminology, change, uh, and, and to uh, present a Christ, a cosmic Christ, a cosmic spirit, of a psychic. So here's what we're finding. Remote viewers getting their information from the Akashic Records. Psychics getting their information from spirit guides like Sylvia Brown's one of the while most exposed cases, even in her book, she confesses the spirit guide, guides her in interpreting the Bible. Of course, Jesus is God in human flesh. He's a good guy. And the remote viewers, Jesus is a good guy. The psychics, Jesus is a good guy. Edgar Mitchell in Roswell told everybody to believe in the, in the masters, Jesus and Buddha, right in front of 800 people. Um, so once again, the spirits collectively... Um, in all the places that, you know, whether it's Hindu pantheistic stuff, they're all going to accept Jesus as a guru. Um, they will accept him on that level. New Agers will accept a, a, a Jesus on that level. Psychics, a psychic Jesus. Well, yeah, the spirits, First uh, Corinthians 12 talks about anybody that has a demon spirit can't confess Jesus as Lord for who he really is. And anybody who has the real spirit of God won't curse Jesus. So the Spirit of God leads us to confess who He really is, to glorify Him for who He really is. The Spirit of God reveals who He really is. He is God in human flesh. He is Savior. He is Lord, uh, prophet, priest, king. He's, he's, um, he's all of what the New Testament revelation shows Him to be. The Spirit of God will you know, always point in that direction. Spirits will do everything to um, change so, or even when they become and act like a savior, a Christ uh, coming to a person, again, you're right. It's and, and their teaching is going to be an evolution of deity, uh, a new age coming uh, that we can all be like Jesus. That all he was was an involved being. So the extraterrestrial quote, extraterrestrial entities, they're teaching he was just one of them. I was sitting at the Theosophical Society years ago, kind of, again, doing our little infiltration stuff. Inside the meeting, Michael Schluster, who wrote a few books on this, was explaining his experience of the aliens coming to him, uh, taking him out of his body, of course, to the Galactic Federation, where Jesus, but he looked like Buddha, he looked like Jesus, he's Buddha, he's Jesus, he's all of them. And, uh, and he was convinced because of the experience, because he had no grid to defend himself. That um, and and Courtney Brown, the remote viewer, New Ager. Anybody can read Cosmic Voyage. 
Uh, it's online to his major story of his encounter with Jesus out in the out in the ether in a room. Well, anybody reading a story that knows Jesus, as Courtney Brown is excitingly telling the story about how he met Jesus and talked to Jesus and how Jesus gave him things and gave him assignment, it wasn't Jesus. Um, so it's always going to be from the dark spirit, finite spirits. Uh, because they can't and they won't, they will not to, and they are transmuted and fixed. Uh, they don't have the ability. Um, they're not connected to God. Whereas the Holy Spirit will only give one story. The demon spirits will only give one story, and they are completely opposing. Point 15, uh, can you give some examples of programming giving to multiples that teach them to hate the Bible, Christianity? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the story of little kids in the room where finally they call on Jesus to come in. Jesus beats them all up again and again, and then when they finally call on Satan, he comes in, helps them, heals them, cleans them up, gives them food. To, you know, that's that's a programming experience, a story form. Uh, there's also the one where touching the Bible, you get shocked or burnt, so you never want to touch it. Or if you hear Jesus loves me or a, a certain Christian hymn, Amazing Grace, and again and again and again you are burned or hurt, it's kind of like the revulsion therapy that was used in California years ago among sexually offending prisoners. Revulsion therapy was showing them pictures of naked kids or whatever and then shocking them or making them sick or whatever so as to try to burn into them anytime they looked at or looked at a child and begin to think in that way um, they would be shocked, revul you know, revulsion would come in, whatever else. That kind of programming uh, very clearly has been, been used uh, in, uh, in, in getting them not to want a Bible, not to want to go to a church. Uh, some have been taken to rituals in a church where the ritual abuser is a preacher-looking person and people in cops' uniforms. Are, you know, so they, are, they believe that cops are part of the group, uh, preachers are part of the group, that churches is where the rituals have been done. Uh, Bibles, if you touch it, will burn you. Uh, if you hear a certain song like Amazing Grace is when you get raped. Uh, or when you see a rabbit being, you know, caught up in squealing and, and being ritually, you know, killed, um, it all is to embed in them the emotion and the mentality of uh, the evil. Well, listen, this is very uh, probably much longer than you needed, and I know there's probably a smile there. And if I could do it any other way, Chris, let me know. Uh, if, if you'd rather, maybe if I just kind of write out sentences or something, I don't know, maybe I can do that. But anyway, here it is. Uh, God bless you, brother. We love you. Uh, blessings into your uh, married life, and uh, hope to see you uh, and um, get to meet your wife and uh, get to fellowship with you sometime. Thanks for listening to Nowhere to Run. You can download all of the archives to this show and others I have done for free at NowhereToRunRadio.com. Your prayers and donations are needed and appreciated. You can partner with me to reach many more people with discipleship, apologetics, and the gospel. Go to Nowhere to Run Radio to help support this ministry. Thanks for your time.